Well, this morning, uh, I got to admit, this wasn't exactly my plan. Um, last week, Luke did a phenomenal job. It was a rich service last week as we dedicated our kids. A couple weeks before that, Greg preached, or he taught. He, 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 I, I call Greg more of a teacher than a preacher. I mean, I think he preaches some, but he taught us richly about the fear of the Lord and some of those things. Uh, and so I know this is three out of four weeks that I'm giving the pulpit up. Uh, that wasn't my plan, but it's all right. So this morning, uh, I've been talking to Pedri for a little while and Liesl. And they have a story. And sometimes we don't get to hear everybody's story. And so we were talking about getting together, and life happened, and we never got together. We were going to talk about Pedri's story. And then uh, circumstance happened, and his, his time frame got moved up a little bit. So we scrambled this week to get together so I could hear the fullness of his story so he could share it with us this morning. So this morning I just asked Pedri to come up. You can come on up. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's got a little bit of an accent, uh, so you'll hear that as he talks. It's because he's not from here. He's from a long way from here, but it's cool what God does when he brings us together in the body of Christ. So, so Pedri, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, God, we thank you for Pedri this morning and his willingness to share. We ask for your anointing upon his every word that your will would be accomplished. We yield ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's all you. Make sure you got green. I've got green. Good morning, everybody. It's actually it's a very, it's a big honor to stand in front of you today, uh, to share my story, to share our story, my wife and I, how we got here, and how Lord brought us to Crawford, how Lord brought us to you, and um, yeah, it's a. It's a, it's, a, it's a long way, if you take it. <laughs> For people that don't know, don't stand too close to there, I believe. <laughs> but anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> if you look at the most southern part of South Africa, or Africa, let, us, let me start at Africa. The most southern part is South Africa. And... We are from the most southern part of Africa, South Africa, Cape Town. And if you look where we are, we're in the middle of the United States in Crawford. As the crow flies, it's over nine and a half thousand miles away. That's a crazy crow. And it's a fit one as well. <laughs> Just to give you perspective where, where we're actually from. There's 54 countries in Africa. So everybody thinks, yeah, you're from Africa. Africa is a country. It's not one country. It's 54. And Liesl and I were born in uh, the Dutch Reformed domination. And we grew up both Christians. I was a rebel. She wasn't. <laughs> but we were born a thousand yeah, close to a thousand miles apart. We met each other much later in life. But I will start with my story first because my, my wife was, was much more into faith, much more following the Word of God. I always believed in God. I, was, I, was in a, I, was, I had a very, well, very good parents that, that taught me well, taught me to respect people. And I grew up in a church. But as I said, I was a big rebel. I didn't 
some of the things that, that they told me I didn't agree on. And at the early stage, I didn't enjoy school at all. I wanted to be free. And I wanted to go into Africa. Like you've got your Marlboro man here in, in the States on horseback with his Jeep and he drives all over the desolated areas and catch cows and whatever he does. We had the camel man in South Africa who went up into Africa on, with a little Jeep as well, Land Rover, and he'll smoke camel cigarettes, which I did as well too many in my life. <laughs> and I became a hunting guide and a safari guide in Africa. Now, a hunting guide is, is, is one of the most dangerous jobs in Africa. Because you're hunting big animals, you're, you're hunting buffalo, you're hunting elephant, you're hunting lion, you're hunting leopard. Cape buffalo. <laughs> Cape buffalo is much more aggressive. And each year there's probably about three or four professional hunters that get trampled and dies because of their job. And with me going into Africa those years, there weren't cell phones or connections. It's you just hope for the best. You know where you're going, you get a map, you get a compass, and there you go. Take your client in and you go and hunt him. It was wild. If you get injured to get out, it's much, much worse than to get in. Because there's no doctors up there. You have to get to medical attention. So that's why most of the guys don't make it when they get attacked. But in this way of life, I started drinking a lot. And I moved away from the Lord. But the Lord never moved away from me. And every now and again I would feel ashamed of what's going on in my life and I will pray, but I'll leave it at that. I won't follow him in like I need to. And at one stage my dad got diagnosed with diabetes and it got bad. He was on dialysis, got kidney failure and he passed away at 65. At that stage, I was also not feeling very well and I went to his doctor, family friend of ours, and he told me, he said to me, that I'm not going to tell you to stop drinking or stop the way of your life because I know how you bushmen are. You don't listen to anybody. You do what you want. But what I'm going to tell you is go upstairs to the insurance office and go and buy yourself a policy that will cover your funeral costs, that it doesn't cost your mom money again. And that really woke me up. And I walked out of his office, I stopped smoking and I stopped drinking. Funny enough, when I did that, I lost everything. I lost all my friends. For the first time in my life, I was alone. Because now you're not drinking, you're not the flame at the, at the party anymore. So that you, you're not, you haven't got friends anymore. Because that's the friends that you associated yourself with. You didn't have friends that go to church and things like that. And I started really being alone. And I turned back to God. And I started praying to God. 
to actually give me a partner. I've had all these nice things to tell and to live where I was and what I did. And I didn't, I didn't have anybody to share my life with. I was 36 years old. So eventually I started managing a game farm close to, game ranch close to where Liesl was working. She was a horse guide. And I knew the owner. That's a story for another day. It's also a long one. But we actually met while I was still drinking. And she didn't want anything to do with me. And the one day we met, he was with her. She was taking him to the airport to fly to the UK to go for marketing. And we met next to the road and and I was still, I had a drink in my hand and I was chatting to him and he got back in the vehicle and he said to Liesl, you're going to marry this guy. (laughs) She's like, are you insane? Look at him. <laughs> Look at this man's behavior. I went <laughs> well, when I moved next door, I was a different man. I stopped drinking then and stopped smoking then for a year or two. And yeah, we got together and it was, it was literally three months after we met. I told her that this is it. I knew what I want in life and I, and I got it in her. And we got engaged and two months later we got married. But where we were living wasn't the safest place in Africa. So we eventually went down into the middle of South Africa which was a very safe place and we we worked there for eight years. But we could not go to church because we were working Sundays in the tourism industry. Most Sundays is when people are actually on holiday. So we started, we looked at some services on the internet and on TV if we can find it. And we tried, but we really didn't get into serving God. And we didn't have a connection with people that can serve God with us. Because to serve God alone is difficult. If you haven't got a support structure, it's difficult. But God's always been there with us. When we started our job in the last job we had, that we worked for the guys eight years, there was a group of guys from Dubai, Arabs. They eventually bought the place. But they hunted there for three weeks. They came with their whole entourage, we brought in extra staff. This was a big, big um, place to work for. We were looking at 150,000 acres of open range, 25 rooms. So we had a lot of staff. And we had a lot of guides coming in. They were about 30 at the time that will come in. Because he comes in with his chefs and all that kind of stuff. And money flies. It's the first time in my life that Liesl and I, you actually get sick of seeing how money rules the world. You really do. If you know how many people are starving out there and you see what they waste a day, it's, it's sickening. But I was hunting with the holy man. He did all their prayers and all that kind of stuff. Because they prayed like four or five times a day. They would pray in the mornings before sunrise. They'll pray 
um, before lunch, they'll pray after lunch, then they'll pray before dinner, then they'll pray in the evening. They are very committed to Islam. They are. That's one thing I can tell them. I don't think there's a lot of Christians that pray that much to God in a day. They pray to Islam openly. But what they also do is they try to convert people. And they don't try to convert people into Islam to tell them on how good Islam is. They buy you. They give you money. They give you presents. They come and talk to you and they'll promise you what they will give you. And a lot of the people, I had a lot of my guys that, that was in church. The one guy was a pastor. One black guy was a pastor in one of the churches. And that three weeks the Arabs will come. He will go every morning and pray with them. Because he gets paid. If you're looking at they get about 18 to $20 a day. Now you get $70 every time you pray. That's, that's a bit of an equation. You make a month's wage in five days. And you get presents. It's not just the money. It's every time you pray and you get presents afterwards. But in this time that, that we were working for them, this holy man hunted with me, their holy man. He's not a holy man, but their holy man. I don't know what you call them in, in Islam. He hunted with me every day. And he never, never brought up Islam with me. He never tried to convert me. He never tried to convert my wife. We were the only people on the whole farm that he did not try to engage into conversation to join Islam. And this is the first time I actually realized that God's Hands, it's not just over me, it's around me, it's protecting me. It's protecting me and my wife. And eventually I, I met my employer here that I worked for here in um, Crawford. He was hunting on the ranch. And last year we lost our job and he was our last client there. And I asked him for work. And he said, yeah. I can get you some work. And we came up to Crawford and, and we joined his team here. And I said to Liesl, and Liesl said to me as well, she said, we need to change our life. We need to change our life in a way that we can serve God because we haven't been doing that. We really were longing for that. And we went to church while we didn't work. We went to church in South Africa. We, but we didn't have that feel. We didn't have that connection. And she went on the internet when we arrived here and she googled churches in Crawford. And she said, I didn't even ask her. She said, I think we need to go to this church. Christ Community Church. I said, well, let's go. <laughs> I've got no problem with that. And I can tell you now what was said earlier. When I walked in here, and I get goosebumps now again when I say it, and I sat down at that chair where I was sitting this morning, I felt the presence of, presence of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. God was here. This was the first time 
in my life that I walked into a church without anybody saying anything and I felt God's presence. I'm shaking a bit. Sorry. It's, it's and this is something for me that's really, really a revelation. It's nothing less. It's, it's really... Can't explain it. And the love that's in this church is something we haven't felt anywhere else. In South Africa with the church that we went to there, there's the people are so much into themselves because you protect your own. The way things are going in South Africa is with all the crime and the negative things that's happening in the world, people started moving away from each other. They come to church, but you don't interact with the people at church. You get into church, you do your service, and you walk out, you go home, you lock yourself up. You protect what you've got at home, and that's wrong. The love that we've got and the love that we felt here from people we didn't know, we just arrived with something out of this world. Liesl said to me last week, she said, what did we do to deserve this love? This fellowship. And it's something that I want to speak to you about. Do not to take this, what you've got here, for granted. Because I can promise you, once you leave here, you will really realize what you've been, what you're missing. Because it's not out there. I've been to Canada. I've been through half of Africa. Liesl's been to New Zealand. She's been to England. This place, Crawford, this church you've got here, is special. It's really special. The people make it special. Everybody here that, that comes to this church make it special. And it makes people us, like us feel so welcome that you actually feel like family. You're actually more than family because I don't like mine at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, I really I can't say to you how much this means. And just the last thing, just to explain to you as well, it's, it's in South Africa, in some areas, you literally have, you've got guards, security guards, protecting the church while the service is on. Not because of, um, you're not allowed to, to um, live your life into what religion you want. Because of criminality. People get robbed in church. Literally robbed in church. That's how bad it is there. In some areas. And the freedom that you've got to walk around. There's not a house here with a, with a fence around. The fence is to keep the dog in. Not to keep the, the, the people out. Our fence is to keep the people out. And the freedom... The freedom to, to service God, 
the way you want and the freedom to walk outside and the freedom to be with each other. And I can tell you from an outsider, you guys know each other much longer than, than what, what we've known you. But what I've seen from you, and I've seen that from everybody, the love and the fellowship you've got here, you must protect it. And you must really go out and tell people about it. I'm going back to South Africa. I'm sad. I'm very sad of leaving here, but I'm not going out with a broken heart. I'm going out to tell people in South Africa what I actually found here in this little small town. I found God. Yeah. And I want to say thank you to every one of you that made us feel this welcome and made us feel this love. Thank you very much. So in just a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Peter and Liesel come up, and we're going to pray over them. Uh, but there's just a couple of things that, as the pastor, I wanted to highlight in what I was hearing through Piedri's story. Um, when he talked to me, he, was, we, we, he came Tuesday, and um, I think we were here for four hours. So you guys got the abbreviated version. Uh, so if you need a, if you got four hours, sit down with him. He can tell you his story, show you some pictures, uh, whatever else. Um, but really, one of the things that resonated with me, and, and Piedri hinted on it there at the end, was was how much, whether it's the church, the community, or our country, that we can take for granted. How much that we experienced. There was a story I heard, so this was third party, uh, about Piedri traveling, her, him and Liesel traveling, hopefully this is correct because I'm going to tell it, up to Rapid City with, with a couple from church and they bought some flooring and they put it on the top of their vehicle and they were coming out of another store and they were laughing because they said you would never do that in South Africa because it would be gone. He was talking about how at night it's impossible. Like they lock their houses down at night. And, and they've been able to walk in Crawford at night and not have to worry about what's going to happen to them. You know, I was reading during worship just a little bit, and it was going along with the presence of God and, and all this stuff. But, but about the Israelites, they came out of, uh, of, of slavery and they were, God was leading them to the promised land, and they got hungry, so God provided for them, right? And he gave them what? Manna. It said it was flavored like coriander and honey. Like, I mean, I don't know what it tasted like, but it just sounds like something I want to try. And it just appeared on the ground. Every morning they'd go out, there'd be these flakes, mm, yummy, yummy, get enough for today. And Omer, I think, is what they could get, get it for today. But guess what happened with the manna? It would go bad after a day, but you know what? I'm sick and tired of this honey bread. It's where the Israelites got. They got to the place where they were tired or they were they almost despised the provision of God. See, because that's what happens when we start to take things for granted. 
I share this because I'm the pastor. Deidre told me he likes coming to church. He was looking forward to coming to church while they lived here. First time in his life, he said, I was looking forward to coming to church. We go from the place that we look forward to coming to the place that you've got to drag us out of bed to we don't come anymore. There's something that shifts in us when we take things for granted. I don't want to take what God's doing for granted. I don't want to become so immune to the presence of God. I'm telling you what, I'm challenged. He says, I walked into the church. No one said a word and I felt the presence of God. I'm here every day of the week just about. Do I feel the presence of God when I come in here? What, what do, I, do I take for granted? The other takeaway that I had, and this is the encouragement to everyone in this room. We sang a song in worship that was called, I think it's called, but we sang the words, show me your glory. We asked God to show us his glory. And I believe that God revealed his glory through the testimony of his people. Your story is the revelation of God's glory. Your story, what God's doing in you, what God's speaking through you, what you're experiencing in his presence, what God is doing in your life or what you've witnessed or what you've experienced is absolutely the glory of God. He's given you that to show others. I encourage you with with your story, when you have an opportunity to to share your story, your story is the revelation of his glory that will transform hearts and lives of those that are around you. Who does not feel richer? If you raise your hand right now, I'm going to knock you in the head with the microphone this morning after hearing Pedri's story. I think you misunderstood me that you feel richer, right? Okay, she raised her hand. I thought I had to knock her in the head, Pedri. We feel richer when we hear what God is doing in someone's life. He didn't use big words. He was a simple bushman, right? But he shared what he experienced. And the challenge I have for you is to what is God speaking to you? Because your story is powerful. Your life is the revelation of his glory. It says they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Your story is powerful and effective. Pedri, thank you for sharing your story. Your story challenges, your story encourages. And it's not just Pedri's, or it's not just. Mine. It's not just Walt's or Greg's because we have a microphone or Luke's because we put a microphone in our hand. It's your story is powerful. So share it. This morning, we're going to have food in a little bit because we're going to make some, some hamburgers and some hot dogs. And also, you made what? Lamb pie. So a couple weeks ago, 
They brought a milk tart that was absolutely delicious. And he said that I just never cooked lamb right, so this is going to taste good. So there will be some lamb pie that is South African cuisine. My wife told me, I don't know if I'll try this one. It's a savory pie. So anyway, so I'm going to ask if Pedri and Liesel can come up here. If they're going back to South Africa, we don't know what tomorrow brings yet. But he's the waymaker. He's the one that's going to decide that. He's the one that's going to show that. I'm going to ask you to step out up here because I guess there's going to be some people who want to lay their hands on you. Uh, church body, if you want to come lay your hands on Pedri and Liesel. Uh, I know they're heading back to South Africa for at least... Three months, we'll trust God with how long that is. If they go back to South Africa, he's taking, look at this, he's taking a piece of us to South Africa because of what God's done in his life. How cool is that? That's kingdom impact. That's the cool things that God does through his body. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we thank you for the beauty of the body of Christ. You are the one who unites. That your love, God, flows through us. That we can feel a place even when we're thousands of miles from home. I thank you for a God that is ever-present. That you're always there. That in our stories, even when we've struggled, even when we've rebelled, God, that you've always been there. And that our tomorrows, God, you're there. And God, you know every step. You know every place. Your word says the steps of the righteous are ordered of you. So I pray for Pedri and Liesel that their steps, God, would be ordered of you in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, they continue to show your glory wherever they might be, God, for every question of tomorrow that is. We ask for the hand of God and the plans of God to be revealed. We thank you that you are a good God, that you love us, and that you're with us. We thank you for the entirety of this morning, all that you've spoken, all that you, you, you've assured us of, all that you've accomplished in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. May you be light and may we eat together. Amen.